Frank's and B Frank show. Week five is in the books. There was some drama. There was some drama around the college football landscape. A couple more coaches lost their jobs, which we will get to later. But first, looking back at last week, one of the biggest matchups of the day, there were a lot. There were five ranked games. Mm-hmm. Starting at the highest ranked team, playing in one of those Alabama, Arkansas. 49-26 was the final, but that doesn't really tell the full story of this game. Alabama, for a time, was in some real trouble here, especially after Bryce Young had to leave the game in the second quarter with a shoulder injury. Yeah, it's kind of like a tale of two, almost three different games in this one. Alabama jumped out to an early, looked comfortable early on, and then Bryce Young goes down with that apparent shoulder injury. Jalen Milrow comes in. Not necessarily the passing threat that Bryce Young has, and and that is to no shame because Bryce Young is a reigning Heisman Trophy winner. He is one of the best quarterbacks in the entire country. But man, oh man, can he run. He showed it on that 77-yard scamper. Jameer Gibbs, though, is the story of this game for me. Arkansas's defense continues to struggle. We knew that was going to be the case coming in. The question was, could K.J. Jefferson and the offense muster enough to hang close or give themselves a chance? The answer, I think, was yes. And fourth quarter, they just wilted under both the pressure of just Alabama's defense rising to the occasion, but also the defensive line getting dominated by Alabama's offensive line to create these gaps and these holes for both Milrow and Gibbs. Milrow a little bit more on a a broken play, but both of them going off for 70-plus yard runs that led to scores that that really extended this lead beyond anything Arkansas could come back from. Yeah, Gibbs over 200 yards on the game certainly was made possible by a great effort by the offensive line. Yeah, Milrow provided a little bit of a spark more so with his legs than his arm off the bench. You know that Alabama, you know, Bryce Young going down, that's upsetting, but you know they're not just going to bring in a complete scrub. So he was able to Still challenge Arkansas in a way, but there was definitely a time, you know, Alabama going up to the the 28-point lead, shrinks to five, only actually losing one yard total of offense in the third quarter, which Mm -hmm. is certainly not up to Nick Saban's standards. I would say all in all, considering the Bryce Young injury and everything, you, you certainly take the end results. And as you said, same old story for Arkansas, just not able to to get enough stops because, I mean, 26 points against Alabama, Nick Saban defense, nothing to be upset about. Your defense just has to give you more of a chance here. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you tell Sam Pittman he's got a five-point deficit, you know, he goes down 28 nothing in this game, claws back to 28-23 going into the fourth quarter, I think he takes that 100 times out of 100. Like, that – that is as good a position as you can be in against this Alabama team. And they they rose to the occasion and made plays when they needed to. And that's that's the difference in this game. Absolutely. NC State Clemson was a top 10 matchup. This was kind of the, the second strong game in a row for DJ, I would say. You know, after tearing apart Wake Forest, admittedly not great defense last week, doing it against a better unit in NC State's is definitely an encouraging sign for Clemson. And 
I mean, the, the, the Tigers are, are looking a little frisky. The, the defense stepped up as well. But if you have DJ, you know, doing something offensively, I mean, certainly more than he was able to do last year, two weeks in a row, I think that's a very good sign. Big time. This is what we've been waiting for. For DJ, 21 of 30, 209 yards and a touchdown. Numbers don't jump off the page. Biggest thing to me is it looked like he settled into this game really well. I think adrenaline and and just the emotion and excitement of this game, I mean, they really, really, ESPN, that is, really amped up this, like, the pregame showing the buses drive in and then everyone line up and Dabo sprinting as if he's 19 years old down the uh, down the hill. But... This was a big game. It was a top 10 game. This is a game that he really needed to show up and show out for. I wouldn't say he showed out, but he certainly showed up. He he missed some early throws and then really settled in and started to read read the defense and then hit his progressions much better than than we've seen in a few weeks. So if nothing else, I think the Wake Forest game was a launch off, launching point for him. He continued it through this NC State game and really Hope you know he should be able to continue this. He's got Boston College, who somehow beat Louisville last week. But Red Bandana game, I think, I think I'll have to double check that, especially for gambling purposes. But you get through that one. That's that's a a tough game in a tough environment. Say what you will about BC, but that's never an easy easy game to play. And you've really got some interesting games coming up with Florida State, who gave up thirty plus to to Wake Forest, and then. A Syracuse team that I genuinely don't know enough about because I don't think they've really played anyone of, of substance yet this season. Sean Tucker is what you need yes. to know. And they fought off a, a spirited challenge from Wagner last week, 59 nothing. So they did. The Orange are looking strong. But I think the most encouraging thing is that coming into the season, pretty clear top two quarterbacks, Sam Hartman, Devin Leary in the ACC. DJ didn't outplay Sam Hartman last week, but he basically matched him shot for shot. And this yeah. week he did outplay Devin Leary. And that is that is huge for the confidence of, of a young quarterback going forward and also just his coach's confidence in him. It mm-hmm. certainly helps that Clemson's defensive front was as scary as advertised yet again. And yeah. he stayed 21 carries for 34 yards, put a lot of pressure on Leary and the back end of Clemson was able to hold up as well because there wasn't really a a huge difference in terms of the pocket for each of these guys. It's not like Devin Leary was running for his life all night and DJ had a clean pocket. They were pressured about the same. DJ just made some, some bigger throws, made some plays with his legs as well. Leary did not. So I, I, I don't think Clemson is really, as, as sexy a team as some of the other above them, like Alabama, Ohio States, certainly will get more style points week to week. But I think I think back-to-back weeks, playing different styles, like they matched Wake Forest style last week. NC State is, is more in Clemson's neck of the woods in terms of being a little bit more of a defensive team with some good offensive pieces. They were able to match that as well. Winning in different styles, I think, is is pretty huge. And, you know, two back-to-back tough tests, which you don't really see very often in the ACC, in Clemson past. Not to mention the defense playing without Brian Brzee, who's one of the premier defensive linemen in college football. So 
I'm with you 100%. I think Clemson has, has passed with flying colors in both their tests that they will get in the ACC. I think the schedule does look a little tougher through five weeks than it did preseason, but only just slightly because the ACC is what it is. That said, they are very quietly a playoff team. Yeah, very quietly. Which which seems very strange to say. Yeah. Knocking on that door. If if the playoff committee reflected the AP, which they don't almost ever, yeah. Clemson would be on the outside looking in. But I would, not a betting man on this in particular, only other things, but I yes. would bet that uh, Clemson would probably get the nod into initial rankings over the committee, including both Ohio State and Michigan. But that's just, yes. that's one man's guess. Going back to the SEC, Ole Miss, Kentucky, not a super pretty football game, but the Rebs were able to keep their undefeated season alive and bring an end to Kentucky's, to that point, perfect campaign. 22-19 in favor of the Rebs, a little bit lower scoring than most games with Lane Kiffin's team but you know we've been kind of building to this point this is finally a top 10 team and it looks pretty deserved based on the resume so far 100 and they're built on defense which is i think the craziest part about all this you talk about lane kiffin you think offense 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 high powered scoring doing it all you know one of one of the best performances is a you know alabama rehab stint that there has been in recent history FAU, they put up points there, and you know that that has been his calling card. The defense has been great, forcing turnovers, including the late fumble on Will Levis to to clinch this game as Kentucky was driving to possibly tie or win it. And then the run game, the run game continues to to produce, and Quinshawn Judkins is is just a lot of fun in that backfield with Jackson Dart because I think both of them are incredibly dangerous with their legs and provide different types of opportunities out of the backfield for Ole Miss. Yeah, the offense has been very productive this year, but yeah, they haven't had a, a Swag Kelly or Bo Wallace, like very mm-hmm. heavy passing attack with some of the elite receivers that we've seen go through Ole Miss. They, they've got talents, but Jackson Dart just is not that guy right now. Malik Heath had a a great game as a receiver, but largely it has been Judkins. It has been Zach Evans. They had a, a tougher challenge going up against Kentucky's fronts. What was encouraging, you said the defense, very opportunistic. This was basically a game of, you know, Ole Miss just made fewer mistakes. They didn't yeah. play outstanding on their own, but they didn't beat themselves. And a couple times they came up with huge plays, taking advantage of Kentucky errors. Kentucky had Chris Rodriguez back in this game and still the rushing attack largely struggled. Only 2.9 yards per carry as a team, despite Rodriguez's numbers improving that total. So that's still a concern going forward. And then Will Levis, two fumbles in the red zone late in that game. Give credit to Ole Miss's defense, certainly for being opportunistic, but that's a... It's a fool me once, shame on you situation. Yeah. Fool me twice, there's won't get fooled again, or however uh, W said it. But <laughs> like that, 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 that's 
in big cannot happen territory, especially because either time, if you get a field goal there, you're at least going to overtime. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. And not to mention, I mean, he obviously has no idea this is happening, but the broadcast is touting as like a potential number one pick the entire time. And I'm sitting here thinking, are we are we talking about the same guy? But yeah, he I he played well. You take away the two turnovers, obviously it looks significantly better. Maybe get a win, but in a vacuum, his numbers look very good. It, that that was that was it really. Like he he didn't play poorly outside of that, but like those are the plays that people are right. going to remember most about this game. So it really, you know, runners nothing else, else matters at that yeah. point. Yeah, yeah, you didn't get the win. You had a couple plays that people could argue led to the loss. So yeah, that's yep. that's not good. This next game, I believe, will be vindication for one, but. Let's go to the Big 12. Uh, I was having a, a very good season overall, just as a, as a quick aside, with the exceptions of Texas and Oklahoma, which is hilarious to me. But yeah. Oklahoma State, Baylor, this was a battle for basically who would be the, the top-ranked Big 12 team in the polls. It is still Oklahoma State. They go into Waco and win 36-25. to 25. Start with you. Your, your thoughts on your Cowboys. Huge, huge for the pokes. Just a just a big day for all of us. Yeah, Spencer Sanders played like a senior. He did have the turnover. Um, but at the end of the day, defense did a ton. I mean, granted, this looked like a, po- a possible runaway, low-scoring win, if, if that even can work, if that's not too oxymoronic for, for Oklahoma State. It was 16-3. They were comfortable. They were cruising at halftime. And then 22 third quarter points really shook things up from Baylor. But outside of the passing attack, they really couldn't get much done. 30 carries, 112 yards for Baylor there. And Richard Reese had 85 of those. Like that, they really weren't getting a lot done on the ground. Sanders was effective with his legs. Dominic Richardson was effective on the ground as well. And again, credit to the defense because they made some big plays when they needed to. And, and forced a couple interceptions out of Shapen. Yeah, Baylor's defense played well, but I think Oklahoma State had a, a pretty clear advantage in special teams, really just dictating mm-hmm. only field position. Of course, the, the kickoff return to yeah. uh, open up a 20-point lead really really opened things up as well. But yeah, that was, I, that was the, the biggest factor in this game to me. It's just how Oklahoma State was able to just kind of dictate how the game was going to go based on their special teams. Cause I mean, Spencer Sanders was, you know, pretty much in ball control mode, didn't throw for 200 yards, not a bad completion percentage, but really just taking what was in front of him. And mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's a good Baylor defense, but yeah, you know, o- Oklahoma state at the end of the day, just sort of outlasted the bears is able to get to a big enough lead early that, you know, Baylor's not really a team that's built to overcome big deficits quickly you know this this was this game i think is as good as it gets for them like they were they were able to to make it a little more respectable um mm-hmm. while still not being able to get over the hump yeah for sure and i think it does also shine the light on the fact that the oklahoma state defense is not what it was last season still and and that's fine because i think the offense has taken a, an important step forward where they can be relied upon to get you 28 30 35 points in a game and go out and win it for you. 
hundred percent. And that's, I mean, it's, it's a difference. It's a different style of team than we had last year, but in a lot of ways last year was a different style of, of Oklahoma state team that we were used to. So sort of evens out a little bit, I guess. Water finds its level. Yeah, that's that's the expression. But to quickly close the loop on the Big 12, I think Red River Rivalry is the only game in the Big 12 this week that does not feature a ranked team. I saw that. I hate to see it. Hate to see that. I hate to see it as we were both grinning from ear to ear. Last ranked game from week five, we had Wake Forest. We had Florida State making a brief stay in the top 25. Wake Forest wins, as we all expected. It was a fairly competitive game. Um mm-hmm. Both quarterbacks played pretty well, but I think just it was a, a step up in weight class for Florida State here. Yeah, they, they landed the first punch and then got hit with a nice combo back from Wake Forest, 28 unanswered. And really, by that point, it was almost too little too late. They did cut it to a seven-point game, but I think at that, that point, the run game had really gotten going for Wake Forest. They were able to control the clock a little bit and really bleed it out, where for the most part, Florida State was pretty one-dimensional with Jordan Travis in the passing attack. Um, but yeah, big players make big plays. Sam Hartman looked great. Ellison was a solid out of the backfield for Wake Forest, and then A.T. Perry does what he does in another receiving touchdown. Yeah, he's been really consistent. I mean, Hartman, obviously, when he's been on the field as well. Jordan Travis, just have to tip your cap because he has been – I think better than anyone has expected this year. Certainly outperformed a lot of the guys that we expected to be the great quarterbacks in the ACC, the the Van Mm -hmm. Dykes, the Armstrongs, et cetera. But yeah, just not enough, not getting enough support from the rest of the offense, rest of the team. Although 31 to Wake Forest isn't as bad as that number would have used to be. No, Um, not at all. There's a spin zone for, for Mike Norvell. Yes. Who is your week five big winner? All right. I went, I went a little off the beaten path for this one. Try and get some, some other teams a little shine. I'm going to take Florida International. Oh, okay. FIU won its first FBS football game in 1,414 days on Saturday. It's their first win since they beat Miami in 2019. So shout out, shout out to FIU. I was thinking about UConn. UConn had a big win. Air Force beat Navy. Like there, there are so many other teams and and places, maybe even an an Illinois shout out as they ended Paul Christ. We'll we'll get to them. Yes. Who asking for the listeners and maybe also for myself, who did FIU beat? They be this is a great question. I should have should have had it ready. Give me one I, second. I do know I saw the the Yukon first win over an FBS team in forever, and that was Fresno State. That's yeah, that's not great for Tedford. No, but, we beat New Mexico State and it was on the road, so that's that's not a short walk. It's no, a, it's not. It's a long way to go. All right. Shout out FIU. Do do miss having them as a home and home matchup. Rather than Cincinnati, but oh yeah, well. I went more on the beaten path, and I'm going with TCU. The yep, frogs are flying so far in the young Sunny Dykes era. The offense looks explosive, as any good Sunny Dykes offense should. So 
668 yards of offense on Oklahoma. As an aside, this just – you can take Lincoln Riley out of Oklahoma. You can bring in Brent Venables, but the Oklahoma defense remains. They have looked yeah. horrendous against the run back-to-back weeks. Dugan had 302 yards passing, three touchdowns, five carries for 116 yards, two touchdowns. He's a great quarterback, but like – that was the highlight that kept circulating Saturday. It's like if your defense is just letting him sprint 60 yards down the field for a touchdown, like you're you're probably doing something wrong. Yep. But TCU undefeated on the season will be at game day this week with Kansas, who's also into the rankings finally, but very deserved going from unranked all the way up to 17th in the country. There's a lot of turnover in the polls this week. And yeah, just one of several Big 12 teams that have looked much better than we thought they might in the preseason. So shout out Sonny Dykes and TCU. Big shout out to them. They scored eight touchdowns in this game. They had touchdowns of 73, 67, 62, and 69 yards. Yikes, Oklahoma. Just the, uh, the old dingers only offense. Exactly. That some teams running the show. So that's, uh, they're certainly fun. And I, I'm very much looking forward to uh, TCU Kansas, which we'll talk about in a few minutes. But a mm-hmm. lot, of, lot of fun offense there. Who is your uh, week five loser? It's the Big Ten West. <laughs> no one wants to win that division. It is uh, just, just truly remarkable now that Iowa, Wisconsin, Minnesota now fall. Nobody. Again, nobody wants to win it. Nobody wants to work. Whatever, whichever one you want to say, you have one, two, three, four, five, six teams at one and one, including Northwestern, who has not won a game in the Western Hemisphere this year. You've got Nebraska, who has lost to that Northwestern team. Purdue, who just beat Minnesota. You got Illinois at one and one, who has lost to the Indiana Hoosiers. That's not a slight. That is just a, a statement of fact. It's the, it's the mainstream media wants you to forget, but <laughs> yeah, it's just there. Iowa has somehow won a football game by scoring points, and then Minnesota is one and one. So this division is in shambles. It really is still anyone's game. Like Wisconsin is certainly not out of it. But the fact that you can go to ESPN, look at the standings, and see Northwestern atop the Big Ten West is remarkable when you know that they've lost to Miami, Ohio, and Southern Illinois. And again, have not won in this continent yet this year. Yeah, it's, it's an affront to the Lord, some would say. But yeah, it's, it's a very on-brand year of football in the Big Ten West. You've mm-hmm. got three of the best defenses in the country, honestly. Illinois, Iowa, and Minnesota. But then we know what Iowa's offense is. So that that kind of dismisses them a little bit. Like, I... I still like Minnesota here for the time being. There's a a non-zero chance that Wisconsin catches fire under interim coach Jim Leonard goes on a tear. Not unlike they did last year after a slow start. But I, I think just looking at the numbers, Minnesota has a better defense than most of these teams. They have a better offense than I would say all of these teams just have to put that together. Purdue is due for a, a wonky win over ranked team seemingly every year. Yeah. Uh, so got that out of the way early. Minnesota needs to show something 
in their next game. For now, I, I think that's that's the logical pick. The only other one I would I would say is I mean Illinois. But yep. I do I do not I I can't trust Tommy DeVito that much. Like that 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 does not make sense to me. Like the defense is that good where it's possible, but like at some points I know Illinois is going to have to rely on its offense to do something, and I just don't know if that'll happen. So it is appropriate, as I'm saying this, that I see Minnesota's next game is October 15th at Illinois. So yes. that'll, that'll be fun. Plenty of time to prepare for, and hopefully Ibrahim can get healthy. But yeah, Chase Brown, leading rusher in college football. So shout out Illinois. Yeah, it is a, it is a Burt team there through and through. Big. Yeah, so my my week five loser was Wisconsin. Um, so mm-hmm. just piling on the Big Ten West. So just it was it was kind of the a taste of everything. You know, non conference home loss. You throw out the blowout loss to Ohio State, and then blowout loss at Camp Randall. Bert coming home. The one thing I will say this hurt less than it could have because it's not like Wisconsin fired Bert. He chose to leave and then has been humbled yeah. and now is building himself back up. There's a job opening in Madison. Maybe he wants it. Yes. Probably have his number saved. But yeah, this is this is, this has been a rough go of it for Paul Christ the last two September's, October's. Slow started the season last year, started one and three before winning seven straight. So so saying it's not impossible that Wisconsin could turn it around midseason, but I think a lot of teams in college football for a couple of years have had their eye on Jim Leonard as a potential head coaching candidate. So, you know, things are are really not looking good out of the gate second year in a row. I think the thinking is let's give him a look, see what he has. And if he's not head man material, again, Bert is in the same division. But for now, this does not look like a very good football team. It's been... It's been brutal the last couple of weeks and yeah, like just especially the embarrassment of getting punked at home like that, Illinois, very, very clear final straw to me. Two yards of rushing offense is, is really the only thing that needs to be said in this game. Tough, <laughs> not good. They, they need a, a full cleansing before they can go into or before they can move forward this season. And it, does get easier because they play at Northwestern this weekend, but they gotta they gotta get it together soon. Yeah, seeing seeing a lot of comparisons actually to Oplaning Nebraska, which yeah, on the one hand makes sense, and you're just looking at the the records because Christ was 67 and 26, Pelini was 67 and 27, um, mm-hmm. but Pelini had seven straight nine win seasons and the first three years of Chris were really good uh 10 11 and 13 wins culminating bowl wins each year a couple division titles but the last two plus years definitely downturn 2020 was rough you lose to indiana at home for probably the first time ever I, i don't actually remember rough start last year rough start again this year and yeah i i can i can understand it a little more wisconsin has been a mainstay recently in the rankings and mm-hmm. just trying to get out ahead of it. It's it's become very in vogue too to just fire coaches mid season. Yeah. 
Money is not an object. Yeah, it's money is not real. It's buyouts are not real. Someone will always pay it. Yeah, absolutely. We're going a little bit smaller this week in week six. Only three ranked on ranked matchups. Two of them look like they will be especially good games, but let's start with the one that we don't know. It's Tennessee. It's LSU. LSU has been perfect since the highly publicized national broadcast of their meltdown against Florida State in the season opener. I I don't know if I'd say LSU has looked good since, but what are your thoughts on this one? I think that's a perfect way to say it because I I just don't know with this LSU team and, and the devil you know is better than the devil you don't. I am not sold on their rushing attack. They have just so many guys back there that can that can do it. I'm sorry, they're passing attack. They have so many guys that can run the ball. Do we trust Jaden Daniels? Do we trust Nussmeyer? Who who is who is the guy that we can go to and point to and say that's the quarterback that's going to win LSU the game? Very similar to LSU teams of the past pre-Joe Burrow. The defenses looked better, but I, I think this is Tennessee's game to lose. And, and really, it'll come down to can Hendon Hooker take care of the ball? And w- will the Tennessee defense slow down LSU? Like they, they have really struggled the past few weeks. If there was a week to bounce back and, and play better against a, a lower or not as talented offense, this is it. So I'm looking for a lot out of the Tennessee defense and offense should just keep doing what they're doing. It's potentially asking a lot of guys who were burned by Anthony Richardson, but I think against LSU, with how LSU has been playing, you just got to stack the box and dare Jaden yeah. Daniels or whoever to beat you over the top. Because a lot of times it just seems like Jaden Daniels' MO is just look to run first anyway. And I mean, he's only eight for 20 against Auburn. I, I It's remarkable that LSU won that game. It, it is. Just, nearly got outgained two to one by a bad Auburn team to delay the firing of Brian Harson at least one more week. Yeah. But yeah, just, just got fortunate with some Auburn miscues and, and turnovers, I guess. But I, I really, I really don't think this is one of the, the 25 best teams in America. No, it just, we, we had to, we had to kick seven teams out of the poll. And like, yeah, I'll throw LSU in there as well, I guess. Personally, I probably would have still kept Baylor in or thrown James Madison or Coastal or one of the Washington undefeated. State. Yeah, one of the undefeated teams. I think it, since they failed this week, next week, anyone who's undefeated has to be ranked. Fingers that's, crossed. That's my, that's my platform. But yeah, in this game, I like Tennessee to keep rolling. I, I just don't think... LSU can offer enough resistance, but the SEC, maybe, maybe some, some weird stuff happens to keep it close in death Valley. But I think Tennessee is, it's clearly more talented team here. They handled Mississippi state pretty well when they came to town. So that is the concern. Yeah, it certainly is. Yeah. Utah, UCLA, UCLA now five and oh impressive win over Washington. Last yep. Friday, Dorian Thompson-Robinson in that offense put up 40 on the Huskies. Who are you liking here? I'm going to take Utah. I think it's going to be a very close game. DTR showed a ton. I was reading, I think it was Stuart Mandel, 
on The Athletic, and he was saying it's very odd to say that a guy in his 40th career start had a breakout performance, but that is exactly what it feels like Dorian Thompson-Robinson had in this game because, I don't know, I feel like we talked about him so much early on in his career, and then it went quiet because UCLA really wasn't doing a ton, and just the weird COVID years slash half season and whatever the hell was going on, they can run the ball, that's for sure, and Thompson-Robinson has shown the ability to to extend and stretch the field vertically. Bobo had two touchdown catches, 142 yards for him. Charbonnet, the, the Michigan transfer, had 124 yards on the ground. This offense looks good. Defense has a lot of question marks still. I think Utah is starting to round into form. Cam Rising had a really nice game against Oregon State, and they really stifled this Oregon State offense, forcing four turnovers, all interceptions, and then... The run game was a little suspect, but defense is looking good for Utah. I think they're gonna they're gonna win this one in a very tight game. Yeah, DGR had a, a really really good season last year. Just didn't get talked about a lot because you know CJ Stroud, Bryce Young, other quarterbacks yeah. nationally exist. But he had a, a really really strong season last week. Was just a great example of that. Just big play after big play against Washington's defense. Utah is definitely a different animal, though, especially a team that is built a lot of times defense first. This year, they happen to have quite a few offensive weapons as well, which is why they have been so highly regarded. I agree with you. I think Utah is rounding into form. You know, we just saw just obviously not scientific, but Oregon State back to back weeks against. USC, Utah, the two biggest contenders in the the Pac-12 South, presumably very different results, both losses, but very different game. I I think that's the Utah we expected to see before the season. Just happened to make the bad decision of opening the year at the Swamp. I think this is where UCLA will get their first loss of the year. When you have a team like Utah coming in, you need to pack the stadium with a ton of fan support and... UCLA has struggled with that, despite being very good. If that doesn't change, this could be ugly, but I think Utah wins regardless. Mm-hmm. Lastly, the aforementioned game day matchup, two newly ranked teams in the Big 12, TCU at Kansas. First time ever game day is going to be in Lawrence for football and not basketball. Who do you like here? I'm going to go with Kansas. It's just such a big game. I think TCU is the better team. The way they're they're moving the ball offensively is just a sight to behold. I think we all expected last week a little bit of a letdown from Kansas. We certainly got that on the offensive side. The defense was sensational, though, against Iowa State, holding the Cyclones to 11 total points um, and showing us they can win in different ways than just an absolute shootout, which is, which is kind of what we all had expected expected and anticipated. I think Jalen Daniels is going to have a bounce back game. This offense is going to start rolling again. I expect this to be a high scoring affair in the forties. I would say, I think it's a ton of points are coming. Whoever has the ball last is going to win. And I think that's Kansas. Yeah. Last week was exactly what I thought would happen for Kansas. A little bit of a rougher game, but just very thankful that Jace Gilbert is a you know, high major power five kicker who can't hit field goals. So take the win there. But yeah, it was it was an uglier performance after, you know, Kansas had looked 
pretty untouchable on the offensive side of the football through the early season. I think Jalen Daniels will get back to playing the type of game that we are accustomed to through this young season. But yeah, I you know don't know what the over-under is at, but this is a game where it's likely you will want to hammer the over because that will be much more fun. But yeah, I, I think I think this is a game Kansas wins and we're talking about top 15 Kansas this time next week. Playoff contender Kansas is what we're talking about. Big they 12 would, title contender Kansas. They would be 6-0. Let's, uh, let's speak it into existence. See what yeah. happens. Get weird with it. But anyway, that is our show for this week. We've got another great spread option coming later this week. And uh, we will be back next week to break down all of the week six action for you. So we will see you then.